My guest today has been convinced by the weight of scientific evidence and his years of clinical experience that psychiatric medications frequently cause patients to lose their judgment and their ability to control their emotions and actions. Needless to say, he's a controversial figure in our field. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is psychiatrist Dr. Peter Bregan. Dr. Bregan is Harvard-trained and a former full-time consultant at the NIMH. He founded the International Center for the Study of Psychiatry and Psychology and is on the editorial boards of several scientific journals. He has written more than 20 books, including Toxic Psychiatry and Talking Back to Prozac. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr. Bregan. Oh, it's great to be here. Great to be talking to my colleagues. Your latest book is Medication Madness. What do you mean by that? Psychiatric drugs and really all psychoactive substances frequently cause serious emotional problems with difficulties with cognitive functions, with emotional control. And even when they're not doing that, that is when they're not doing something extreme, they are disrupting the higher functions of the brain and mind. And we tend to forget that. You know, we tend to, as physicians, to sort of buy the drug company educational literature, should I say, that people have biochemical imbalances that are being corrected by these psychoactive agents, when in fact there are no known biochemical imbalances of the brains that people who routinely come to see us for depression or anxiety or having obsessions or compulsions or having trouble concentrating or controlling their behaviors, just no known biochemical balances at all. And of course, we can't even test for them in the human being, so it's very speculative. On the other hand, what we forget is that every time we give a psychoactive substance, we're causing serious biochemical imbalances, serious enough to affect mental processes and behavior, or we wouldn't be giving the substances And since the brain is so complicated and subtle and actually so far beyond our current stage of really understanding much about it, it's pretty much a shot in the dark when a substance crosses the blood-brain barrier and begins to change the function of a neurotransmitter. If you take, for example, giving an SSRI, it seems straightforward enough. You're inhibiting the reuptake in the synapse. So presumably there's more serotonin being made available, but the brain doesn't react that way. The brain doesn't say, okay, this change has been made, I'll live with it. The brain has numerous compensatory mechanisms that go into effect. Most immediately, the presynaptic nerves stop producing serotonin in order to compensate for the flooding. Then the removal mechanism actually takes out more and more serotonin, it hypertrophies. It gets stronger. And then, and perhaps the most serious of the compensations, the receptors for the serotonin actually begin to die back. There's significant dieback, uh, 20, 30, 40, 50% in animal studies over a period of only weeks with slow recovery and not necessarily full recovery. So docs need to be alert to the fact that we are actually impairing natural functions, not improving them when we give a psychoactive substance to a patient. You talk about spellbinding. What is that, and how can we tell if one of our patients might be spellbound by their medication? Well, when I was reviewing cases for medication madness, I've got about 50 cases in the book, and 
In every case, by the way, I personally evaluated the patient, seen all the medical records except in one of the 50 cases, all the rest, all I've seen the medical records where crimes have been committed. I've you know looked at the police records, read depositions, sometimes even gone to the crime scene. And as I was looking over the many cases that I have, some of them, by the way, from my clinical practice where I'm sort of a doctor of last resort for people who have been injured by drugs, or more frequently, the forensic part of my practice where I'm involved in litigation against drug companies or malpractice suits or criminal cases where people have been involved in you know, abnormal behaviors that seem to be drug-influenced. As I looked over the cases, a couple of things were startling. First, the patients never grasped what was happening to them. If they were having an adverse mental effect, they usually didn't identify it as such. They didn't think, I'm agitated in response to this drug, or I'm even agitated, or I'm depressed. Instead, they would want to hurt themselves or want to hurt somebody else would do something bizarre. They weren't thinking in terms that something was particularly wrong with them. When they did identify something wrong, they almost never even considered the drug as a potential culprit. They would just go on taking the drug. Instead, they would blame somebody in their environment. My wife is aggravating me. My kids are aggravating me. I'm in financial trouble. I'm depressed. Life is hopeless. Never thinking, hey, I'm having a drug reaction. This is very important for clinicians to realize. And then quite often, they initially thought they were doing better. I came to realize that one of the worst signs a clinician can have is a patient comes in after his one or two weeks on an antidepressant and says, doc, I've never been so good in my life. It's the beginning of hypomania or mania, this euphoria. So very often the patient feels better, but in fact is not doing better. And then finally, the fourth leg of this what I call medication spellbinding, is that some people, a small number, actually begin to do bizarre and outrageous things that they never under any circumstances would have done, like the opening chapter, the very kind, ethical, religious gentleman who started on Paxo because he read a brochure in his doc's office and thought maybe he was a little depressed and he got on the Paxil and he got such an internal agitation that he just wanted to die. He actually drove his car into a policeman and knocked him down to try to get his gun to shoot himself. Unfortunately, my report led to the policeman and really all the lawyers and the judge to conclude that, you know, this was an abnormal behavior driven by the drug. And so he didn't have to spend the rest of his life in jail. One other thing about these cases, by the way, the term spellbinding, I've also published some scientific articles on it. You can get them on my website, which is bregin.com, B-R-E-G-G-I-N.com. You can get scientific papers, too. And I call it scientifically intoxication anosognosia. Anosognosia, we know, is not recognizing disease. And this is not recognizing the disorder of intoxication in oneself. And we all are familiar with it from alcohol, where... You can look at all four legs of medication spellbinding in alcohol, where first the person doesn't realize they're impaired when it's obvious to other people they are. Then the person becomes more impaired. He or she will begin to have emotional reactions, but then blamed at other people, people in the bar, people at home, mom, dad, work. 
And the individual on the third leg of the third part of medication madness, the individual may think they're doing better than ever. They can drive better than ever. They can make love better than ever. They can do whatever they think better than ever when, in fact, they're not functioning well at all and they're actually a menace on the road. And finally, as we see commonly in alcohol, the individual perpetrates in a way that he or she would never do when sober. And if that individual stays sober for the rest of his or her life, this individual will never again try to hurt his wife or children or drive like a maniac. It's only when intoxicated. And then just finally, as one add-on, and I'll take a breath, in all of the cases in this book, no one ever became a repeat offender. So we're talking about my entire practice, actually, which includes a couple of hundred cases or more over the years. I'm 72 now, over many years. And I have not had a repeat offender, including people who committed murder and violence, attempted suicide, embezzled while manic on a drug, and so on. So, And having zero recidivism, of course, is quite extraordinary, and I think is a real testimonial that the judgments that these people with medication spellbound were correct. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Peter Bregan. We are discussing what he calls medication madness. Dr. Bregan, so it sounds like you're really talking about this subset of people that have probably antidepressant-induced mania, but it seems like in your book you believe more than that, that psychiatric medicines really never actually help anyone. Is that true? Well, first of all, two things. I'm talking about much, much more than the small subset of people who become manic on drugs, but those are, of course, some of the most flagrant and life-ruining clinical syndromes where people just literally destroy their marriages and sometimes their whole lives. I'm saying something much broader than that. I'm saying that the drugs actually work by impairing brain function and causing a spellbinding effect, however subtle. So that, for example, the man may come into your office and say that he's doing much better on his lithium or on his antidepressant or on Depakote. But if you talk to other people or you talk more at length with this individual, you find out that emotions have been dampened. Uh, they've lost interest in the things that used to really excite them in life. They may not even be interested in making love anymore, but they won't tell you that unless you actually inquire of them. So what I'm saying is, is that just like marijuana may seem to the individual to be a wonderful experience, it doesn't look so good to the outsider if you happen to be watching. And just as alcohol may make somebody feel better, but we know it's an impairment, we have to face the fact that what we're calling improvements in people are impairments. The more honorable or honest appraisal becomes, is this impairment in some way to the benefit of the individual. And of course, it's not presented that way because we're not thinking that way usually as clinicians. So people aren't really getting the impression that in fact an impairment is taking place. Now, I prefer to treat patients without impairing them. So I don't use psychiatric medication. I've become an expert. I've become a clinical psychopharmacologist as an expert in regard to so many people coming to me who have been injured and wanted help getting off the medications, which can be very, very difficult. You don't use medications at all? I don't use them at all. I've been doing this now since, uh, you know, I went into private practice in 1968. 
gosh, I mean, how many years is that now? I, I don't want to face it. But I find that even the most disturbed patients, and sometimes most easily the most disturbed patients, can be calmed down and helped, even in the first session, by a caring, experienced, concerned, thoughtful individual. And one of the keys to helping in these situations is for the doctor not to have an emergency. I'm very fond of saying, if your patient's having an emergency, don't have one yourself, (laughs) and the patient will calm down because they'll see, oh, my doctor's not all freaked out by what's going on. Maybe I can Mm. learn to handle this. Well, Food for Thought, thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with Dr. Peter Bregan about some of his ideas in his latest book, Medication Madness. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For a complete program guide and downloadable podcasts, visit our website at www.reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. Hi, my name is Dr. Carolyn Clancy. I'm the director of the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, or ARC, and you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals.